Welcome to Journey Through Classical Piano. I'm your host, classical pianist Jiyun Kim. Regardless of whether or not you're a lifelong lover of classical music, this podcast is meant to show you how important and relevant classical music is to today's world and to bring the live piano concert experience right to your living room. I believe classical music is for everyone. So let's start listening together. Hello, everyone. It has been such a long time since the last episode. Many of you have contacted me asking when I would upload another episode. First of all, thank you for nudging me and at the same time letting me know how much you have been enjoying the show. Well, to make a long story short, I have been busy with touring with my recent concert project called Shim. And also my book, Whenever You're Ready, was published in Korea. The title of the book is Millions of Dreams, 백만번의 상상 in Korean. I actually ended up translating the book myself, then the book made into even the top three bestsellers in Korea in the self-help category. In the last season, I've completed 30-city tour in America with my CM concert, finishing with playing at Carnegie Hall in the last month. I really hope to talk more about the experience playing at Carnegie and the Shium, which is poetry and music collaboration concert and album project in the later episodes. As much as I've enjoyed the active performance on Back to My Life and receiving much of positive responses with my book from my home country, Korea, it also has been very intense in terms of uh, how I had to manage my time to the point that I had to pause many of my other projects, including this podcast. I think I wasn't ready to be a full-time performer on the road and be able to keep up with other demands at the same time. Well, at the end of the day, I needed to be the best performer I could be on stage. Every ounce of me had to be devoted to only being a pianist, nothing else. Well, the good news is that I think I've gotten to a point that I have some rhythm back to my life. Hopefully, I can continue this podcast regularly, at least once a month. Also, I would like to add that I've met some of you listeners of this podcast at those concerts, telling me how much they enjoy the show. It was a super fun for me to meet you in person. Definitely, I believe podcasts have the power of connection in a very intimate and special way. Before we get started today, I would like to thank our new sponsors of the show, Chris Bezek, Richard Cooper, Nick Parsons, and Jeff Davis. Thank you so much for supporting my podcast, and thank you for your patience in waiting this long to be acknowledged. If you find this podcast helps you in any way, giving you some light in your day, please head over to patreon.com slash journeythroughclassicalpiano to support the show. Today, as the first episode in a while, I thought I would open with one of my favorite pieces to perform in this season, which is Concert Etude Opus 40, number 6, called Pastoral by Ukrainian composer Nikolai Kapustin. He passed away about two years ago, born in 1937. You might never have come across Kapustin before, but if you have, I'm certain that he gave you a lasting impression with his unique fusion language of jazz and classical idioms. 
I encountered his music at one of the piano concerts that I attended. My first impression was that, wow, that sounds fun, virtuosic, and perfect encore. And at the same time, without actually seeing the score, I suspected that it must be technically very challenging. And all of my first impressions are true. Kapusin began studying piano at young age, quickly showed exceptional talent. He entered the Moscow Central Music School at the age of 14, where he studied piano. His early training laid the foundation for his virtuosic piano skills, which I can certainly feel whenever I play his music. After completing his piano studies, Kapusin entered the Moscow Conservatory in 1952 to study composition under the guidance of prominent Russian composer Alexander Goldenweiser. The Moscow Conservatory is one of Russia's most prestigious institutions for musical education, and Kapustin's composition studies there provided him with solid understanding of classical composition techniques and forms. To Kapustin, jazz became deeply rooted in his life. But that exploration took place mostly outside his academic study. This was primarily because of the historic situation, as the development of jazz in Russia was not a smooth process, especially during the wartime periods, World War I, the Russian Civil War, or World War II. Jazz arising from popular musical culture was considered less appropriate than revolutionary and patriotic songs, music that represent proletarian culture. Kapustin initially gained interest in jazz when he was studying in Moscow Music College, where he met his classmate and good friend Andrei, who is a son of a famous dramatic poet, Sergei Mikhalkov. Because of the poor living conditions at the college, Kapustin was invited to live in Andrei's home, where he started to listen to jazz music and fell in love with it. Kapustin stated, I was living in their house for a few years like adopted son. That's how we first started to become interested in jazz music, listening at night to the radio station Voice of America. He also wrote, at first, my friends and I could hear jazz only the, on the radio. I do not remember which jazz artist I heard first. It could be Glenn Miller or Louis Armstrong. While he was formerly trained in classical music and composition, he developed a strong interest in jazz music and improvisation on his own. He taught himself the nuances of jazz harmony, rhythm, and improvisation. This self-guided exploration of jazz elements deeply influenced his compositional style, leading to the fusion of classical and jazz idioms for which he became known. So he was able to incorporate the technical rigor of classical composition with a rhythmic vitality and improvisational spirit of jazz. Kapustin regarded himself as a composer rather than a jazz musician. He said, I was never a jazz musician. I never tried to be a real jazz pianist, but I had to do it because of the composing. I'm not interested in improvisation. And what is a jazz musician without improvisation? All my improvisations are written, of course, and they became much better. It improved them. Well, I took jazz piano lessons in my graduate studies, like um, 
20 years ago, after falling in love with listening to some of jazz pianists like Oscar Peterson, I admired how they could come up with those coolest melodies and harmonies on the spot. The energy of always having fun in the way jazz musicians interact with each other on stage fascinated me. At the time, I wanted to learn more about high works in jazz, well after establishing myself as a classical pianist. Well, to make a long story short, after even taking two lessons with one of the greatest jazz pianists, Gary Walters in Indianapolis, I've realized quickly that this would take another lifetime. I honestly felt that I could become a jazz pianist if I started my life all over again, <laughs> at least just starting in teenagers. But in this life, for me, jazz piano would take as much as effort, time, and perseverance to make this language as my automatic system in my body. But it was tremendously helpful for me to have some perspective of what is going on in jazz and help me to grow more admiration towards jazz musicians. You guys are just amazing. So, Kaposin uses the language of jazz improvisation, but without actually requiring improvisation on stage, as it is written down by utilizing jazz harmonic language, notated swing rhythms, and syncopation to provide the effect that jazz style produces. So, to me, I always say that Kapustin fulfills my fantasy of being a jazz musician without being one. This is the most jazz style I can actually fake as a classical pianist. Among his piano works are 20 piano sonatas, six piano concertos, other instrumental concertos, sets of piano variations, etudes, and concert studies. Kapusin himself was a great pianist, as I said. There are not many composers that I play that I can actually go to a YouTube and watch the composer himself performing the piece that I'm working on. I could see... He has a nimble and athletic finger movement with a great sense of rhythm. I highly recommend for you to go watch him playing piano in YouTube as well. So one of his most well-known and frequently performed music is the set of eight concert etudes opus 40, which we're talking today. These etudes are often considered a hallmark of his style and showcase his unique fusion of classical and jazz elements. Each of the eight etudes in Opus 40 presents a different technical and musical challenge while incorporating Kapustin's signature rhythmic vitality, harmonies, and improvisatory passages. The set covers a wide range of moods and characteristics, from playful and energetic to lyrical and introspective. The etude is an important genre in piano literature, and most piano teachers select etudes as teaching material for students to improve their technique and musical sensitivity. As etudes developed and evolved, they have served not only for technical study, but also as a concert repertoire that beautifully represents composers' personal styles, like a Chopin etude or Liszt transcendental etudes. The etude as a genre plays an important role in the repertoire for piano. It has evolved from soulless technical exercises to virtuosic concert pieces. 
These etus are usually short and sparkling pieces, which may act as appetizers compared to a large entree like sonata, keyboard suite, or large-scale pieces on a recital program, which might last 30 minutes per piece. Many etus are exquisite, novel, and sophisticated. That is why composers nowadays remain passionate about this genre of etude. Etude number six, Pastoral, for today's episode is composed in 32-bar popular song form AABC with eight bars in each section. The entire structure is repeated. The overall structure is AABC, AABC, ending with an eight-bar coda based on the material A. Some passages show the influence of the previous masters that contribute the etude genre, such as Chopin, Liszt, and Rachmaninoff. Compared to classical music, where the first and third beats are emphasized in 4-4 time, like 1-2-3-4, jazz frequently emphasizes the offbeat or weak beat, which gives uns- unstable and changeable feeling like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. More flexible or free-flowing timing is constant with the jazz characteristics in these etudes. Compared to the expectation much classical music for perfect or straight timing, jazz works in the opposite way of, uh, by being around the beat that is ahead of or behind it. For instance, in the etude number seven intermezzo, the expression mark libramente is placed after the tempo marking, meaning that the performer should play freely and never mechanically with regard to the tempo and rhythm. Many other composers before him also uh, made a contribution in the effort of incorporating jazz idioms in the, in the piece. For instance, in the er- earlier episode, we talked about the influence of jazz uh, in Gollywalk's Cakewalk by Debussy. Or Aaron Copland wrote a set of short blues called Four Piano Blues. I chose this etude in my repertoire in this season um, as it gave me just right balance of fun and upbeat jazz idioms. Also, often the virtuosic elements in this piece were much more hidden than outwardly expressed. So much so that uh, the audience often said, that sounds really fun, without really realizing how difficult uh, this piece technically, or how much I hacked to work through the piece to make it sound fun and not difficult. I often feel like this piece has both hands, independent movement constantly, along with the jazz harmonies and complicated rhythm. I think that's why this level of difficulties um, shown because of the complexity of independent hand movements. I almost feel like this is a, like a mixture of Bach, uh, texture, contrapuntal, and Rachmaninoff, and the hint of Oscar Peterson all at the same time. Despite the difficulties, I absolutely love this piece. It reminds me of my childhood excursions that I took in early elementary school students, those field trips that I used to take to nearby mountain or park, those sunny spring day. As you listen to this music, 
I hope you could think of some of your memories in your childhood. Maybe some of picnics that you took, some excursions you had fun. When was your last time? Did you go for a picnic? What did you do? I would love to hear from you, of course. Share your experience with this piece. Please go to jiunkim.com where you can leave voice or written message for this podcast or simply saying hello. I will leave that link in the show note below. Now, are you ready to take a journey to Kapustin's musical world? Let's take a listen to Concert at Choose, Opus 40, Number 6, Pastoral by Nikolai Kapustin, performed by Jiyoon Kim. I hope you enjoyed listening to this delightful and fun piece by Nikolai Kapustin. In the next episode, I will explore Jute Vu by Eric Satie. This is one of my favorite pieces to play or listen to. I'm somehow certain that you came across this piece somehow, somewhere as well. I'm so looking forward to connect with you this piece then. Hope you have a wonderful day.